sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. Welcome to the Sword Podcast. This is a platform for sisters to gather and have some empowering conversations. And in the process of these conversations, we help each other overcome some limiting beliefs. I want you to join the conversation. I appreciate your likes, subscribes, and comments. This podcast is sponsored by Stephanie Brown Coaching. If you have any limiting beliefs that are holding you back, feel free to contact the coach at sociatap.com forward slash Steph Brown MD. Okay, I'm going to share a little coaching secret with you. One of the ways that we can overcome our limiting beliefs is by revising our thoughts. With the source saying, we get to choose a new thought that expands us and helps us to rise. I don't know about you, but I can use all of the affirmation that I can get. With so much negativity in the world, I bet you can too. So today's source saying is about the story and the narrative we are creating for ourselves. The source saying is, I am writing a beautiful story where I slay dragons and reap the rewards for myself and generations to come. Again, the source saying is, I am writing a beautiful story where I slay dragons and reap the rewards for myself and generations to come. So our topic today is gaslighting, how black women are gaslighted by popular media every day. And my special guest is Ava Montgomery. Ava Montgomery, the founder and principal consultant for Conscious Media Consulting, LLC, helps content creators construct accurate media narratives and representations. She knows that some content creators contribute to social injustices through creation and perpetuation of false narratives and misrepresentations. But she is passionate about using the power of conscious content to provide media justice to social issues. As an author and a global speaker, Ava has a well-rounded career of 25 plus years in leadership development, community capacity building, training, and more. She also holds a Master of Arts degree in Media, Peace, and Conflict Studies from the United Nations University for Peace and International Studies University. Welcome to SOAR, Ava. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here, Stephanie. I am too. I'm just so happy that we get a chance to catch up. It has been many, many years, but that's one wonderful thing about this podcast and this show is that it's been able to reunite me with a lot of old friends. And today we're going to talk about gaslighting and how black women are gaslighted by popular media every day. So I'm really curious to learn more about this because this is something that's totally out of my wheelhouse. But first, I wanted to give you a chance to just introduce yourself and tell us your story and how you got to where you are today. Okay, well, I'll try to try to make it brief. <laughs> the most important part, I think, of where I got to today is I started as a as a child. I had a I have a mother who was very instrumental in building media literacy skills in me well before the term was even coined. And throughout my life, I've had a 
desire and a passion for media literacy and helping other people to develop those skills because I think of it as a protective factor, especially when it's in conscious ways, which is why I call my organization Conscious Media Literacy Skill Development and Training because in Conscious Media Consulting is is the, the title of the business, but what we do is we teach content creators how to be more conscious when they're creating content. And that entails understanding how dominant narratives that started 400 plus years ago present in content today because we've been conditioned for so long that sometimes people just don't even realize a trope or a cliche or a stereotype or a false narrative. So in my career, I did a lot of leadership development training for for-profit and non-profit organizations. And I had an opportunity when I was laid off with one of my for-profit organizations to really kind of think about what I wanted to do with the time and that and what I considered an opportunity. So I went back to school and got my master's and studied media and particularly how it causes conflict or can promote peace and really looking at how the dominant narrative, even in non-Western countries, are so prevalent in the human psyche and how that influences our interactions with each other, our perceptions, distorts our realities. And it was important because I feel like for, for our children, especially black children, media is used so often to target them and the black community as a whole that we need to be able to understand certain aspects of media to be able to discern those negative imaging and narratives. And so we understand that who, who's creating this and why mm-hmm. and, and really be able to say, okay, this is purposely created to, to make me look bad and feel bad. I'm not going to internalize it. And so that's why I started the organization really to teach content creators to create better content, as well as I wrote the book to help them, but also parents be able to understand how to be more media literate so they could teach their children. You know, that's a long explanation. I said I'd make it short, but (laughs) (laughs) you know me. (laughs) That was a great explanation, though, because I needed that background to be able to understand it. As you're speaking, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, that that's so true. So I'm really glad that there's someone out there who has that on their radar and is really putting time and effort into doing that. Now, me starts with the narrative. The narrative. Yeah, it all starts with the narrative and representation, meaning imaging and how narratives construct mental models of people. And so, you know, in order to combat that, people need to understand how mental mental models are developed and be able to recognize them in content. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, one of the terms that we are using today is gaslighting. And mm-hmm. I feel like this word is overused that, you know, nowadays everybody is saying, well, you're gaslighting or that's gaslighting to the point where it's gotten a little bit muddy. And I'm not sure people really understand what gaslighting is. So as somebody who is an expert in this, I would love for you to explain what gaslighting is. Okay. Well, I think you're right. It is used a lot, but it's used a lot from people who either have used it as a like a catchphrase and don't really understand what it means Mm -hmm. or it's used by people who know what it means but they don't explain to their audience what it means so that people also know what it means so gaslighting really is to manipulate a discourse 
a memory or perception. And people usually do that through hypocrisy. They'll say, mm-hmm. it, say for, for instance, you might come across a situation where there was a microaggression towards you and it is race-based or gender-based. And you tell somebody the story of what happened and they'll say, oh, you're just being over, overly sensitive or are you sure that's what happened? And really trying to question your perception of the events to lessen it and make it seem like, well, maybe I didn't perceive things correctly or maybe that's not really what happened. And it's a, it's a way for other people, like I said, to manipulate your perception. And they usually will have an advantage when they do that. You know, so if you go to your boss or if you go to the, the uh, manager of a shop or something and say, this is what happened. And, and then they start to kind of gaslight you to have you really doubt yourself and doubt what you know happened and then yeah. put the onus on you to really prove, no, I'm right. This is the perception and it's accurate. And, and so that's why it's called gaslighting. And it came from, which I think is really interesting, a little tidbit of information. It came from a movie called, play called Gaslight in the late 30s, early 40s, I think it was. And it was about a man who was trying to manipulate his wife so that he could steal her inheritance by creating all these scenarios that caused her to doubt her reality. And I think it's really fitting that it was media that created that term because it's so often used by media to gaslight. That is really fitting. The way I learned the term was from a psychological perspective as a physician and being in a relationship with somebody who had narcissistic personality disorder. It was very eye-opening and affirming to understand what gaslighting was and to understand that that's what he was doing in that relationship. So it's always interesting to see it from the perspective of media. Do you think it's intentional when people gaslight do you think it's intentional well when people gaslight and they know what it is then definitely i think it's intentional now i I do believe that it's helpful for us to be able to reflect on a situation to to look at it with three in a 360 way with really clear lenses to see that what we see or what we felt or perceived is accurate i mean that's just good emotional intelligence to be able to do that so In one respect, yes. And I think that there are people who, even though they don't know that it's called gaslighting, there are manipulative people who Mm -hmm. want to get over on people. But if I give you the example of, we're talking media and black women and how we are gaslighted every day. It could be that someone tells us that because our hair, we wear our hair naturally, that that is unprofessional or unkempt or strange in some way yet somebody who's non-black will try to imitate the style and it's cool and fashionable right so we're being gaslit as to our natural fantastic fabulous selves and what we bring to the table in a natural and organic way is not acceptable but when somebody else brings it in a manufactured way well then that becomes all the rage so that's an example of how media gaslight women when it comes to the hair, when it comes to their fashion, when it comes to their body types, when it comes to our ingenious creativity, you know, it's if somebody else brings the ideal to the fold, then, oh, that's a fantastic idea. Right. But if I want to take this idea and make a business out of it, can I get funding for that? No. But if somebody else, not Black, does, then they'll get all kinds of funding. So yeah. we, we get gaslit in a lot of different ways. 
mm-hmm. and the media just kind of exacerbates that through different characters and commentary. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's bigger than I think I even thought that it was. Now, one of the other areas of expertise of yours is media literacy. Mm-hmm. And you sort of explained the premise behind your business and why you did it. But what exactly is media literacy and how do you know if you're media literate? Okay, that's a good question. And the term itself, my colleagues and myself, those of us in the the field, we're always trying to come up with ways in which we can better explain what media literacy is, because for us, it's just very natural to talk about things and to name things media literacy. But for a lot of people, because it's not taught in schools, it hasn't been taught in school, you know, when we were growing up, probably wasn't taught in schools under the title of media literacy. It's very rarely taught now. And I think I, I, I'll, I'll say what media literacy is. It's the, the ability to analyze information and to be able to comprehend narratives and representations. But I call my, what I do conscious media literacy because I still think that even with media literacy as a growing field of knowledge, that it still has a very Western-centric centric lens. And if you're not able to understand how uh, dominant narratives present in media, then that child is not really going to be able to comprehend why that messaging is targeting them in a negative way. So the consciousness part... I, for me, brings in history and the ability to analyze content from a lot of different lenses, not just the ability to read something or to shoot, be able to shoot a video or to, you know, create a comic book. But what do those things say? What do they mean? What is the the idea or the belief behind creating that particular narrative or imaging? There's a there's a, a lot of parts to it that I think makes media more conscious and more more protective when you understand the history behind stereotypes and not just for black people but mainly for people of color and to some extent white women but when you understand where they're rooted in and how they present in a conscious way you're much more able to be able to to reject those messages yeah yeah so so i guess in a nutshell i would say if you think about being textually literate where you're able to read words on a page understand the word you're really more literate when you're able to comprehend the message. So I might be able to read something and I might be able to spell something, but if I can't put those things together and synchronize them in a way that I'm forming a full message, then I'm not going to be particularly literate in a way that will help me give me some advantage in in the communication process. And media is the same way. And if we have time, I'd like to just kind of cover what media is so that people can understand all the moving parts. Sure. It's a great time right now to tell us what media okay. is. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I generally like to start um, these conversations or presentations with laying some groundwork about media because, you know, being in media, it's often generalized to a point where it's not helpful because not all media is bad. Not all media is good. So when we think about media, we have to think about what are the moving parts to media? So I like to tell people there's the content, the substance of what makes a piece of media, what forms the video. There's the text, there's talk, 
there's imaging and there's audio and there's symbolism. So that's the content. And then there are platforms that deliver media. So you have your TV, theaters, books, you know, social media sites, websites, those are platforms. And then you have people, people who create the media or bring something that's already been created to the public sphere. So we have teachers, journalists, reporters, entertainers, those three kind of different aspects form media. So when you think about being media literate, when you're able to say, hmm, this is problematic content, not only do I need to look at who's bringing it to me, is it the reporters? Is it an issue with the reporter? Is it an issue with the the writer of the reporter's script? Is it an issue with uh, the social media and how they delivered it? Did they, you know, cut, edit it in such a way that it became problematic when originally it wasn't? And so being able to determine all of those things and how that message is being brought to you is what I call conscious media literacy. Yeah, I think that I always thought that when a platform or a company had a diverse group of people that were part of the production, that that would cut down on faux pas where they release something that's, you know, a trope or a stereotype. But as you're explaining this, it's so much deeper than that. Um, because even those individuals probably have their own stereotypes and and everybody has their own background that they come from. So I guess having an objective person come in with the knowledge that you have and be able to look at it through a different lens is is necessary. Absolutely. It would be it would be the same as having somebody, of co- you know, and of course, I want to say that when you have when you have multiple lenses at the table, it will improve your content as opposed to creating things in a silo, of course. But people are educated for different in different ways for different things. And so, you know, you might have a lot of people who have some medical knowledge of some sort, but that's different than actually having a doctor on the scene, right, in, in a case of a, an emergency. And so being media literate and having somebody at the table who's media literate, we will pick up on things that people who are just um, maybe proficient at marketing might not and that's what happens I found through my research that's what's happened a lot when when companies or brands create media and it turns out to be problematic they weren't intentionally um, being problematic but they didn't have the right lenses at the table Uh to, to be able to catch what having the right lenses at the table would have caught and so you it is a specialized skill that people want to have especially when they're creating communications that go across culture across cultures and that are going to be disseminated widely you want to have the right expertise at the table yeah absolutely it's interesting that we're talking about this today because just last evening I was in a conversation on Clubhouse and my We're Speaking Sisterhood Club and we were talking about self-love black women and how do we express self-love and what came out of that conversation a lot of the women were very spiritually in tuned energy um, practitioners and um, things and what the consensus was was that in order to express self-love you really have to unlearn so much of the conditioning that we've received and remember who you really are and I feel that you know obviously our upbringing has a part in that but I feel like media has a huge part in that conditioning and all of those things that we need to unlearn so I just love your thoughts on that 
Oh, absolutely. Media is just so hugely influential across sectors, industries, walks of life, which is really why I think it needs to be a part of like even human resources when you're talking about diversity, equity and inclusion training. There needs to be an aspect of media influence on mental models, models of the quote other, but models that we have of ourselves to kind of um, to bring those biases to consciousness and then be able to work on them. Um, But media, when it comes to black women, I, I, I feel like and I, I know that it's not true that we are the only ones that are so burdened by it, but I, I do feel like we are really targeted because of our strengths. And it's it's this weird kind of um, juxtaposition. We're either highly visible and scrutinized in a scrutinizing way, or we're invisible and nobody is you know wanting to to engage us in important conversations and so we do have to we we have to recognize that and we have to let we have to let that stuff go when it comes to how we feel about ourselves and the importance of our own worth and what we bring to the table Uh we can't let we can't let hundreds of years of conditioning and it's really hard it, it requires some some work and reprogramming reconditioning mm-hmm. to say i am a valuable person and I'm going to bring value to the situation and you're not going to tell me that it's not valuable because it is. And, and the proof of that is the way we are so often imitated, you know, we're so often trying, people tried so hard to get that essence that we have by birth and not want to credit us for it. But we know that we know that we have, we have substance and we can't let somebody tell us that we don't because we do or they wouldn't they wouldn't try to scrutinize us or they wouldn't try to make us invisible so we have so a lot to do to unpack as, as you were saying we have a lot to unpack and and we don't have time in this in this conversation but we can look at you know through the annals of history and media and see how black women have been charted in a certain way stereotypes cliches stigmatized all that kind of stuff and really be conscious about why that messaging occurred somebody is benefiting from trying to keep us down or push us down and and when we excel and and keep lifting keep rising it makes them even more angry but it's also part of the magic Mm -hmm. absolutely that black girl magic that always comes Mm -hmm. true as you were talking just now it reminded me of something else that you like to focus on media justice and so as you're talking about sort of dispelling stereotypes and overcoming things that are meant to hold us down is that what you mean by media justice is that all that it means tell me a little bit more about what that is because that's your own term right right I, I think it is I, I coined it and defined it um, in, in my book because one of the things that I think historically media has done was be was served to be an injustice towards the black community and black women as we've been talking about they've uh, used 
used illiteracy and misrepresentations to cast us in disparaging and devaluing ways. And so when I talk about media justice, bringing media justice to a social justice issue, to me that means being aware and intentional of your narrative. So being accurate in your narrative and accurate in your representation of that particular social justice issue. So when you talk about black women or people of color, make sure that you have your facts and information straight and do justice through the media that you're creating to that particular social issue, whether it be through gender or through culture and language or just a social justice issue in, in general, be accurate in your narrative and your representation with your media and give bring media justice to an, a, a situation which was probably um, had a lot of injustice that created yeah. it. Yeah. And as we've been talking, you talked about we could go through the annals of history and look at how black women have been portrayed. And that's that's a long time of being portrayed a certain way and a lot of conditioning. Mm. And over that time, many of us have accepted that conditioning as truth um, until you get to the point where you realize it's not true and you go to the, through the process of deprogramming. And so many of us also perpetuate some of that media injustice. So what would you say are some steps that we can take to recognizing uh, media injustice and making sure that we don't perpetuate it? That it's so true. It's and it's so sad when we see it within our, our communities and how we project it onto our sisters colorism is one of those things that I think is just, you know, been disastrous for the black community. But some things that we can do is be aware, be aware of where the roots to these, these different beliefs and ideologies came from. They were, they, they were created to divide us and to keep us divided because obviously when we pull together, our black magic, you know, is so strong and powerful. That's something that intimidates other people. And so they want to diminish that. So we have to really look at the messaging and understand who's creating it, what their intention is. And I'll give you another tip that I think it's important because media and content almost always comes with a message you know it's it's there to bring a message to the populace and there are generally five five ways a message works one is to inform and educate the other is to entertain one is to influence persuade or convince one is to sell something and one is to inspire. And we're seeing a lot lately. Um, it's always existed, but we're seeing, it seems like we're seeing it so much more because of the availability of social media and 24 hours of um, commentary is to spread hate or spread love. Mm -hmm. So when we can start with the basics of determining what is this message meant to do? Is this meant to educate me or ins or inspire me? Is this meant to show hate or show love? We can then start to break down the purpose of that content, of, of that media or of that messaging, as I'd like to say. And then be able to say, okay, I'm not going to internalize this because I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to reach my subconscious, bring these, put these in my subconscious so that when I get around people that look like me who are going about their business, trying to do their things, I can consciously 
try to devalue them as I have subconsciously been taught to devalue myself. Right. Uh So we really need to start breaking down messaging so that we understand the purpose of it and who it's aimed at. You know, who's omitted from it and who's creating it and what their intentions are. And then we can also talk to those content creators and ask them, you know, we we, we know enough about media and why it's constructed and narratives, why they're constructed. We can we can say to that content creator, what did you intend by this? Because Mm -hmm. it comes off this way. And then we go we get into intention versus impact and we can use it as a as a teachable moment, not only for the content creators, but for ourselves and each other. So one of the things you mentioned was entertainment. And I Mm -hmm. feel like with entertainment, it gets a little bit tricky because if you think about the entertainment that has, that doesn't necessarily portray black women in the most positive light, it's consumed at a high rate. So I'm talking about, you know, the real housewives of Atlanta where they're arguing and there's conflict. But then on the other hand, there's also Real Housewives of New York. And so those shows also are portraying, you know, white women with conflict. So what do, what do we do with that? You know, it's entertainment. A lot of people enjoy watching it. Is it something that we should feel bad about? Or, yeah, just, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Well, it really does present this interesting quandary because in one respect, black women need to be able to get to a space where they can create roles and characters without it being a broad brushstroke of all black women. Mm -hmm. But because we are not at that place, we're very sensitive to how other people will perceive these women, even though they're, you know, totally out of our circle. We don't know them and people that are, are perceiving all black women to be that way. Don't know them. It becomes, we become uncomfortable with what they're putting out there. And we want to say, you know, I say be more conscious of your role, you know, because you are, unfortunately carrying a lot of community behind you when you act a certain way it's and it's not fair and so on one hand we 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 need to be able to say you know what it's a character it's a role it's it's her or if it's real it's her but it's not me and it's not all black women and so i'm not going to let you paint me and mine that way that's done them if they want to act that way and they want to be that way that's fine that's just another uh, personality type of black people we're not a monolith we have every kind of personality type and characteristic that every other culture does so for someone to say that we all are that way it's just not true and we can't we can't we fight against that when we say you know what that's not me that might be them but it's not me so i'm not going to let you pigeonhole me in that way you need to meet meet more black women. Right, <laughs> you know? right. I remember when I was in, when we first met, when I was in Hagerstown, I was so impressed because everyone I met, all the black women I met were doctors, right? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was the only one that wasn't. And I was like, this is a, it was a paradigm shift for me. I knew black women exist, black women doctors existed and knew some, but to be in a complete circle of them would, def, you know, defy any of those roles that, you know, we're talking about that devalue black women. And so people need to get out more and, and broaden their, their social circle. Absolutely. I agree with that. I'm going to push back a little bit because when 
when people don't get out, let's say the Karens of the world that don't get out and all they see is television, is, isn't there a role for TV producers to have some parody, right? So yes, this is entertainment. This is entertaining. This is what people watch. But can we also balance that out by making sure that we have other shows that show the breadth of different personalities and contributions and styles of black women and that we don't all have the kind of the entertaining conflict types of things that people see because for some people they're not going to do it on their own and media is a huge way that they get their perceptions of people who are different than them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, and you're absolutely right, which is why it's so important to have representation in the media industry. We need to have representation in terms of content creators, media producers in the editing room. And we do have, you know, we have Ava DuVernay and the great breadth of work that she's created. Yes. So with Queen Sugar and even her movies. And we have Issa Rae now who's gotten, who's inked a deal with Netflix. So we, we do have black women who are taking the reins and creating the images of people that are like us more like us and that we want to see and even i know i like the show this is this is us there's some Mm -hmm. um, great black women writers on that show and you can tell the difference between this is us queen sugar blackish when there's black writers are centered in the dialogue between something like the real housewives of whatever whatever city or some other show where they don't have the they don't have the lenses at the table to create accurate representations and so i would say to the karens of the world and even to to us we need to focus our attentions where they are where they're most beneficial which is good conscious media that's created that's more accurate and representational of who we are and they are out there and they're becoming um even more prevalent you know i read all the time about somebody getting a, a netflix deal or an amazon deal the caveat i would say to that though is just because somebody is black or brown doesn't mean that they're going to have the lenses necessary to not recreate and perpetuate those same stereotypes so they Mm -hmm. too need to be conscious of how they're scripting representations of different people and we can help with that yeah it almost makes me feel like before you create content you really need to you really need to do the work about becoming conscious of what your own biases are, what your stereotypes mm-hmm. are, and what exists in the field of content that you're creating. Right. Uh, that we each have, because we're all content creators now, right? With social media, Absolutely. we're all content creators. So yes. we each have a responsibility in addition to making sure that our reels are, you know, on fire and making sure that, you know, the color schemes and the branding is there to also become more media literate and focus on some media justice and the content that we create, which, which is, you know, which is kind of a beautiful opportunity, right? Because this is a new age where we do have um, power, even with our small amount of content that we create. Right. So I find it exciting. I, I'm, I'm so glad that you educated me on it and all of the questions that we can be answering ourselves. What, what, 
what is the message and what is the form that that message what's the purpose of that message and, mm-hmm. and then thinking about the intent and the impact yes absolutely and i will go one step further because that's what you're saying is so pivotal and so critical to understand we are all first of all everything to me is content everything is content whether it's the t-shirt that you're wearing with a message that's content okay and so everything is content so we are content creators whether we use that as an official title or not but when it comes to social media we're also sponsors and promoters and I talk about that in my book because sponsors are the people who pay to have media created promoters are the ones that you know promote the media through their marketing and so when we when we are resharing, retweeting, liking something, we are endorsing that media. And so if that media is of no value at all, but we're going to spread it and continue to spread it so that it goes viral, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. That's not helpful in terms of, you know, sh- spreading a conscious message or an accurate representation. It may be flashy, it may be, you know, salacious in some way, but it's not helpful. So we need to be conscious as content creators that we're also sponsors. And we're also promoters. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of power. We do. We absolutely do. Which is, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about content creation and conscious content creation, because I feel like, you know, we are the superheroes of our generation of today. We can change narratives. Mm-hmm. We can reco- we can't go back and change time and and all that has happened. But we can take those false narratives and misrepresentations that have occurred and conditioned us for so long and turn them on their heads with with an accurate message and an accurate image, accurate representation. So we do have a lot of power and we'll make the future better for our children and our children's children when we start obliterating some of those old narratives and and replacing them with new ones, correct ones. Absolutely. I hear that as a call to action. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I always ask about on this show is about limiting beliefs. So as you're stepping into this this field and creating your own company, uh, what limiting beliefs have come up for you and how did you overcome them? Wow, that's such a great question because it makes me think of what I have overcome. So I started, as I think I told you earlier, I started uh, leadership development and community capacity building, which was not necessarily in the media industry. And so I had to transfer those skills into the media industry. So I had some limiting beliefs about whether um, I could do that with people Mm -hmm. make that transition with me. Because even though I was highly skilled and uh, well-rounded in the leadership aspect, I don't have this long history, at least not as a professional career, but more so as lived experiences, this long history of being media literate and media informed. And so would that um, count against me? Would someone rather go with somebody who is 
maybe in the DEI space and learned in a different way as opposed to what I'm trying to do and partner in the DEI space through media. So I had a lot of questions about whether I could do it, even though I could see from my research that it was desperately needed, that people needed to take under, understand media's influence on every aspect of industry. So I just kept going on it. You know, I every time and this is when this is kind of like an informal way of validating my my beliefs that I could do this was every time there would be a major company or brand who received public black backlash because of problematic content that they disseminated I'd say they need you they need you (laughs) and it was happening so much that I knew that I had something that was viable and valuable and I and I keep telling myself it's not easy it's not easy creating a business you know you know that but I do believe in my product which is myself and then what I, I can my residual products which is my training and my advisement that I can offer and I just keep falling back on that yeah Absolutely. You just keep reminding yourself uh, that you have something what people that people need. And I think that for any business owner or anybody who's called to purpose in those late midnight hours, when the doubts come up, that's what you fall back on. You know, there's somebody that you're out there that needs to be served and you are the only one who can serve them because of the way you deliver the message, because of your expertise, because of your lived experience, whatever it is, you're the one who they need to serve them. So, um, so I, I love that example as a way to overcome and continue to overcome limiting beliefs because they don't go away. Uh, we just keep overcoming them. Right. <laughs> we, do, we do. And and we keep providing outstanding service and then people then can speak for us. You know, so when you, when you get a client, like I, I have a client um, that she's just so she's so genuine and intentional about her messaging and finds that I, I really help bring out the message in a way that she wants it to be because she wants to be inclusive. She wants to be intentional about being inclusive. And so when you get that validation, that also helps to to, you know, eliminate that limiting limiting belief and you just but you just even outside of somebody external we're all gifted with something and once we get in tuned with that gift in a way that we know that we are outstanding with it then no one no one can tell us that it's not a gift and that it's not not a valuable gift Absolutely. So what final message would you like to share with black women around gaslighting and the media? So I would like to share that there's been a long, long history of devaluing black women. And it's, of course, intentional because our strength is obvious, even though sometimes it doesn't seem obvious to us externally people can see it and that's why they try to destroy it so we need to keep that understanding at at the forefront but we also need to teach our daughters in particular but of course our sons too to be able to read media because it really is a protective factor when when our kids know 
the intention behind media and that it is created to uplift or devalue them, they can determine how they're going to internalize it or whether they're going to internalize it. And that really helps with self-esteem. It helps with our affinity for our own community. When we see, of course, you know, everybody was proud to be black when Black Panther came out, but we have Black Panther every day, right? But we have so much media messaging saying that this was a one-off. No, it's happening around us all the time, but we need to weed through the devaluing messages and, and focus really on the positive ones and use the tools that we have to create those messages that we want to see, right? So uh, media literacy in conscious ways, I think that that's something that I would want, I want to leave your audience with, you know, because I can say black women are fantastic, the mom, all of that, and it's true. But I know that messaging from the outside will filter in. And so we need ways in which to reject those messages and media literacy and conscious ways can help do that. Wonderful. So you've, you've referenced your book, but I would love for you to tell us the title of your book and how we can get a copy of it. So, and I thank you for that opportunity to plug the book. And I should, I, I want to say though, that I would hold off actually on buying it. It's available on Amazon, um, but I'm turning it into an audio book and I'm hoping that it will be available by the end of July, which will be a lot easier for people to consume on the go and over and over and over again. So I would wait. It's called Listen In, Watch Out, Word Up, A Guide to Understanding and Developing Conscious Media Literacy Skills. So listen in, watch out, word up is what I call it for short. But in the meantime, you know, they can follow me on Instagram. I give lots of good tidbits about how to interpret media and what to look out for and um, really try to make it so that it's it's a cross-cultural beneficial. But because I believe that black people are targeted, I really focus too on, on what black people need to know about certain media literacy development skills and how they can acquire them. And what's your Instagram handle? At Conscious Media Maven. Okay. I conscious media maven. Okay. And I know you're also on LinkedIn. Is there any other way to get in contact? Let's say we have a, a business or a nonprofit that might uh, want to hire you to help with some of their media. What's the best way to reach you? Um, so they can reach me at my email. My business email is info at CMC LLC. They can also go to my website, www.cmcllc.org, where we have a form that people can um, get a free consultation, a free 20-minute consultation, and I can help them discern whether our services would be beneficial for them or direct them to other services. And so we can talk. We can have a, converse, a conscious conversation about their needs if they go to the website and fill out the form. Thanks for conquering those limiting beliefs on another episode of the SOAR podcast. If you want to reach out to my guest, just check out the show notes and all of the contact information is there. If you want more information about Stephanie Brown Coaching, go to www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And I'm sure you're already following the SOAR podcast Instagram page. But if not, just go to IG and type in Sisters Overcoming and Rising, all one word. Goodbye for now. 